0: attorney at law, advocate at heart. Where are my true crime fans at? Today I have a very special guest, the co-founder of Bland Richter, which represents clients who have suffered from legal malpractice and personal injury. Their firm is active in holding attorneys and government officials accountable, an issue which my husband and I are passionate about pursuing in our own careers. Since this interview, we now know that Bland Richter is also representing the mother of Stephen Smith in the forthcoming investigation of his death as a homicide investigation instead of a hit and run. The story of the Murdaugh family is one that reaches back for generations of powerful seats in Colleton County. Many have followed this riveting trial of Alex Murdaugh as he was tried and found guilty of murdering his wife and son. Those shootings occurred on the Murdaugh's Moselle property in Virginia, but there is another death that occurred on that property, a death that was key to unraveling the financial deceptions that Alex Murdaugh had orchestrated. Gloria Satterfield spent 20 years in housekeeping for the Murdaugh family and other attorneys in the Walterboro area. She took pride in her work and service to these families while raising her two sons. Here with me today, I have Ronnie Richter, co-founder of the Bland Richter Law Firm and attorney for the Sons of Gloria Satterfield. Many of us have watched as Tony Satterfield bravely took to the stand, but I can't wait for you to hear from Ronnie about the deeper story and personal lives behind this case. So sit back and enjoy. Well, good morning, Ronnie. I'm so glad that we could connect to talk about your clients and to really give people maybe a, a slice of the case that they hadn't seen or followed as closely in the mainstream coverage, because I think that um, this aspect of the case is just so, so important.
1: Yeah. So uh, thanks for having me. I- I'm Ronnie Richter. I'm one of the two founding partners of Bland Richter. Uh, my partner Eric Bland and I began our partnership uh, 25 years ago or so. And early in our careers, we were uh, young enough and stupid enough that we accepted a case in which we sued a very prominent law firm in South Carolina at a time when it was absolutely unheard of. So we didn't appreciate it at the time the, uh, I call it the gray line for all the gray suits, but we didn't appreciate the gray line that we were crossing by taking on this case. But a client had come to us and had told us a story of, I mean, just mistreatment by this law firm that was so outrageous. Uh, and, and the client had, had said he'd been to 20 law firms and they all said the same thing, that we don't sue lawyers. Well, Eric and I were pretty principled people. We don't come from lawyers. We were taught in law school we're supposed to be self-policing. And so when we heard this guy's story, we said, you're, you're damn right we'll sue those lawyers for you, having no idea of the line that we were getting ready to cross. And my takeaway from that case was that we were so We were just so badly treated um so disrespected so pushed on for having done this that it really just entrenched us that we were either going to walk away or we were going to dig deeper and eric and i are not two people to walk away so um it, it was just that sense of being bullied and disrespected that kind of pushed us into this field and since that case we've now sued I, I don't know. Certainly, more than a hundred lawyers, largest firms in our state, largest firms in the country, uh, some of the largest law firms in the world. So, it's not a business plan that we developed, but kind of a niche that we found for ourselves.
0: And has that been within the realm of like legal malpractice or?
1: Yeah. So mostly legal malpractice. Um, I, I will say that it, we're a small state, and it's a small bar within a small state, and so. Um, until recently, we only have one law school in the state, so I mean, literally all the lawyers were gone to the same school. Everybody knows each other, so it was a very closed environment in which to say, "Hey, we'll, we're 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 going to sue members of our profession." Uh, so it was very much not liked. And wow, it still today it's not very much favored, but yeah, we're kind of we occupy a big space in a small pond in South Carolina in that area. We do lots of other. Uh, litigation as well, all complex litigation. But we certainly carved a niche out for suing lawyers.
0: My husband and I went into practice because we had that passion for accountability. Both of us were first-generation law students as well. And so what point was all of the events in unfolding for Alec Murdoch at this point had he been stealing money from clients yet was he in the midst of his drug addiction where would you kind of say that we were in the storyline when when her death occurred
1: yeah we so we know so much more now obviously than we knew then right but uh Gloria um when when Gloria passed away the uh, she passed away in February of 2018 uh, we know now that Alex had started stealing money certainly as early as 2015. And in 2015 is when he set up the fake bank account that he used as a vehicle to, to siphon client money uh, and to defraud not only his clients, but his own law firm. So that had started as early as 2015. Nobody knew about that. He seemed to have that problem well under control. He was, he was uh, skilled in his ability to, to move money. So that that was not an issue for him. Uh, apparently, he was deep into his addiction by this time. But again, a problem that he seemed to have under some management, right? So he's a functioning addict. Uh, he's prosecuting big cases. He's getting paid big fees. And he's stealing millions, um, not just from his clients, but from his own partners. So Gloria passes away February 2018. Her first settlement... The first time he steals money from Gloria Satterfield is December of 2018. Now, the seminal event that kind of changes the equation is Mallory Beats, that the beautiful young lady that we've all seen pictures of, dies in the boat accident. That's February 19. And Paul is charged with her. Paul, his son, is charged with felony DUI associated with her death. And Alex is sued in a civil suit. Okay, so that was a big splash. But even that had started to get a little bit quiet when when rumors started to turn about what happened to Gloria's money. And that's where we kind of entered the picture. So summer, fall 2019 is when we enter the scene and, and when I would say that the landscape changed.
0: Yeah, it was so interesting how at the time of Mallory's death, as, as her loved ones were pursuing, if there was any money available for them, that's when they find out that he doesn't have coverage. But then we know that he's had these discussions with Gloria's sons about how he does have coverage and he is going to take care of them. When the incident occurred at Moselle, what was this like for her family and really going through the emotions of it?
1: Yeah, so going back to that February of 2018, Gloria falls down the front stairs at Moselle she had been the family housekeeper for 20-plus years. She, she literally raised Paul and Buster. Um, so she was an extension of that family, and she took great pride. I mean, this was, um, you know, not, she was, I would, I would call her poor and proud. And and her pride in life was that she was associated with a family like the Murdochs, who in this community were so prominent. So she, she saw herself as an extension of that family. She saw herself as a surrogate mother to to Paul and Buster, so it was a great pride that she was the Myrnagh's housekeeper. You know people use that term and it sounds so derogative and it was it was not a derogative term at all for her she she was proud to be a Murdaugh often uh, on that day in February when she fell down the stairs and she suffered a hand injury that ultimately resulted in her death, you know as we do in the south, I'm not sure where 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 you are where where are you.
0: I'm in Ohio, so the Midwest, but my husband's from Kentucky, so that's kind of South. Okay.
1: <laughs> so with the South, when somebody passes away, we, we go to supper. Okay, so after the funeral ceremony, there's always a gathering at the house. There's always big family, so you go to supper. Yes, absolutely. So, So they were having a big family supper. And it's literally at that setting that Alex approaches the family and, and comes up with this idea that I'm going to take care of the boys, and this is how I'm going to do it. I have insurance on the house. She fell at my property. We're going to make a claim against me, and and by the claim, we're going to take care of her medical bills and and hopefully take care of the boys. And so they, had, they would have had no way of knowing at the time that she was actually devising some scheme to steal money um I they absolutely trusted this idea that that made purchase yeah. yeah she had a ball there there's insurance there great if if it could help the family fantastic and that's how the idea was hatched but that tells you how dark that mind is that literally in that setting you've already figured out how are you going to play this for money and you're lying to this family about what you're going to do right dark.
0: yeah and i think that um as an aside, there are a lot of people who feel like that there is room to suspect uh, foul play on the part of Paul wondering if she could have possibly gotten into an argument with Paul or Maggie. Was there maybe concerns for Paul that she could be a liability to his dad, not knowing how much that Paul may have been in the know about how imminent that um, that the crackdown would be on his dad. Uh, is there any chance that any of, of that could be questioned? They have I, I've seen that they've maybe considered exhuming her body and that the, the family was, was okay with that. It, do you, did they have any thoughts on maybe what could have taken place there?
1: Yeah, i, I got to tell you, they really don't believe that there was foul play in her death. And this sounds terrible, but the, the primary reason not to suspect it is that she survived the fall. And if, if you were going to kill someone, and again, I'm sorry, this sounds awful, but if you're going to do it, you can't allow them to survive to regain consciousness one day to explain what happened. Yeah. So she actually lived for three weeks after in the hospital. She was in and out of some states of consciousness but never really fully cognizant of what was going on. So, again, if you were going to do that, you wouldn't run the risk that she's going to regain enough level of consciousness to explain what happened. So that would tend to suggest that there wasn't foul play and that really what happened was the dogs might have contributed to her fall down the stairs but the really dark twist is to see this as a profit opportunity that this extension of your family has just suffered this terrible injury and the and her entire broader family is grieving her death and at the same time you're sharpening knives figuring out there's a way for me to make some money here
0: absolutely absolutely and even in that 911 call and kind of hearing Paul's interactions with, um, the 911 operator. And, and a lot of people feel that it was very, um, it was very, uh, condescending as he's telling her, you know, do you have to keep asking questions? Um, would they say that really that's not indicative of guilt? It's more probably reflective of maybe if you grow up with parents that were willing to take advantage of a family like this, it, it's just a natural outgrowth. That his attitude would be this way
1: look this kid grew up with power and privilege and money the likes of which certainly i would never have understood you know my dad was a pipe fitter and his dad was a pipe fitter i'm the first person in my family to go to college much less law school so i mean this kid has a background that uh, it, it's hard to imagine but i do think they made a little monster out of paul from the stories that i've heard and I, it just has to be a byproduct of having been gifted so much uh, and not just monetarily, but but to be to be seated with that kind of prestige and power in the community. I mean, they were the Murdoch's were the law in Hampton County and, and Paul knew.
0: I had watched a segment where a historian was walking through that history of the family and It's my understanding that this was almost a a dynasty. These positions of, of power was almost handed down every generation. There was another Murdaugh, at least one in every generation, if not more, that had a seat of power in the community. Have your clients talked a little bit about how fear may have played into this whole experience for them, knowing the power that was held here? Is there any concern that moving forward that there's, any remaining corruption in the area, or do they feel like that it can quite possibly be cleaned up?
1: Well, that's that's an interesting question. Um, you know, it's not you t- to know this community, and and South Carolina doesn't corner the market on communities like this, right? So every state has a Hampton County somewhere where there's a little pocket of power that's been uninterrupted for a long period of time. For for Hampton County, South Carolina, thirty five hundred residents county um the murdochs held the solicitor seat for 100 years and so when you're the solicitor of a county like that you know you call the docket on criminal cases you decide who's going to jail and who's not literally um the, it, the power is almost it's almost absolute um and yes there was fear but but at the same time these were uh, benevolent kings they they put money back in the community. They uh, they pay for somebody's funeral. They they pay for things at the school. They pay for uh, first responders to have updated gear. So they were smart in the way that they would also kind of seed the community back with benevolence, right? So they're feared for sure, but they're also beloved. And so they are they are kings though, and the king can smite you. So yes, um, that, that presence was a lot of the reason why the Satterfields were so reluctant to come forward at all, that for both reasons, both because we love and trust the Murdaws, and therefore we don't think anything bad happened here, and because we're scared of them and their absolute power around here. Now, has it been stamped out? I think so. I mean, I, I really do feel like that dynasty is broken. The The firm is disbanded. The name is abandoned. Uh, they won't hold that seat again. Uh, there is no heir apparent to the Murdoch dynasty that we're aware of. So I think the grip has been broken, but I think it took an event like this to do it.
0: I don't think that Buster, that his life will ever be the same. Uh, 26 and he's their last remaining son. His life will be forever impacted, however, that the sentencing ends up because of how this name used to be just so widespread in a town, but it's become like a national name at this point.
1: Yeah, it really is. I mean, uh, table for four for Murdoch, right? And everybody's shot from see so Who's there. I mean, <laughs> you, you almost have to change your name at this point. And, you know, he's been so maligned at times in social media I feel bad for him. I mean, he's to me he's a just a true victim. I mean, the the losses that he suffered are unspeakable, and uh, to be forced to go forward now. I mean, your father's a two time convicted murderer. Your mom's been brutally um, killed. Your your brother was um, savagely murdered. So I don't know where you go from there, frankly. And 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 you're soiled in this whole controversy, and you're saddled with the name. So I. I feel bad for Buster.
0: Do you think he or Paul had any involvement in the? Um, we talked about Mallory, but there's also Stephen.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I know that's heavily rumored. Um, I I do strongly believe somebody murdered Stephen Smith. I mean, he was um, a, a a young gay man in Hampton County, South Carolina. Um, he was openly um, uh, gay. It, it's it, it's still not a place and a time. Where well, I think that was accepted, and there's no there's no doubt that he was killed. He was placed in that road, to, and they they tried to disguise it as some kind of hit and run. There wasn't even so much as a broken headlight or debris from the car. So he's still, the the boy the that young man was not hit by a car. Somebody killed him. Somebody dumped him in the road, and made it look like a hit and run. So. It's just on the rumor mill, but I'm not aware of any solid evidence that put, puts anybody um, at the scene of that. My heart breaks for them. His this mother is is just the most lovely person. All she wants in this world is just answers, and um, that, that that's a tough case there.
0: Yeah, I think that the the uh, the family of Stephen Smith, the family of Mallory Beach, and now the family of um, of Gloria. It's just that desire for. For the answers for something good and right and truthful to come out of all the lies that have surrounded this. So if we dive back into kind of this timeline, when they're approached by Alec at the uh, repast dinner after the funeral, and he presents this plan, um, I also remember reading that he had uh, passed them along to a uh, another attorney that he said was going to be representing them because he there was some kind of conflict of interest with him representing them or being involved with them as he's pursuing a claim against himself. Could you kind of walk us through that ethical nightmare there?
1: Well, it is an ethical nightmare. So, I mean, the, the proposition was literally, um, I'm going to sue myself for your benefit. And obviously, the conflict there is so inherent that you can't do it. That um, you know, Alex's interest in being sued would would be in direct conflict with his interests in suing himself for the benefit of the Satterfield boys. So the idea is we're going to, we're going to take this, this case to a, to a friendly, to, to a trusted outside source. And this lawyer ostensibly is going to be your lawyer for the purposes of suing me.
0: And that was Corey Fleming.
1: That was Corey Fleming, uh, in the neighboring County of Beaufort. Uh, and they were longtime friends. Corey was a, Godfather to Paul. So, uh, very deep ties there, very close relationships. And, you know, a friendly place to park this case for the purpose of bringing this claim against Alex. Now, the way the claim was going to work, I mean, just because somebody fell at the steps of Nozell doesn't mean there's a claim. You got to prove some negligence, right? (laughs) And so, Alex had all his insurance on his property. And when the claim was brought, he he literally muscles his own insurance company by saying, look, you're going to pay the claim or when I'm sued, I'm going to get on the stand in my hometown and tell the jury it was my fault and tell them to pay these boys whatever I want them to be paid. And oh. and they're going to do what I tell them to do. So it was that kind of... Even as against his own insurance company, as a defendant, he had that kind of power to push them to pay a settlement that I don't know that they would otherwise have paid. I mean, she fell down the stairs. So so what? We, there was no proof the stairs weren't built to code or that there was any negligence in the, in, in the fall. So just because someone fell, it doesn't mean there's a claim.
0: And... Even the language, like as we're looking at how he went about life after this happened, as this is unfolding, there was an attorney that took the stand during the trial who said that um, Alec had mentioned to him in passing, like that uh, um, I, I'm I'm worried that these kids are going to sue me for Gloria's death. She tripped over some dogs, and it's like just the flippant nature that he would talk about a lot of things as people are recreating these conversations on the stand. Um, it's, it's chilling, really.
1: He's a criminal multitasker. I mean, the, the fact that he could operate it all the way that he did, there were so many moving parts in his life. I mean, the, all the payments being made to Cousin Eddie. I mean, we, we know over the passage of time, I'm going to get the number wrong, but I'm going to be close. There was over 180 checks in amounts less than $10,000, the reportable amount for bank transactions totaling $1.8 million in a very short period of time that ends right at the time of Gloria's death. So he's got that relationship that he's running. He's running his fake Forge bank account at Bank of America that he's using to siphon money away from the firm and clients. He's actively defrauding um, the Satterfield family. He's responding to a lawsuit arising out of the boat case. He's arranging for the defense of his son on a felony DUI. The guy's got 10 balls in the air. It's it's amazing he can function at all. But he is that casual th- with it. Yes. Do you
0: think that all of that stress of, of all of this deception kind of led to his drug addiction? That, that that could have kind of been the catalyst to initiate it, but also to keep it going, to keep him addicted for so long?
1: Yeah, I don't know. We we all believe that the um, addiction story. Um but it's clear he had some issues, no doubt about that. But the, what he testified to at the criminal trial was that at times he spent up to $50,000 a week on opioids. Well, I mean, the street value of an OxyContin in South Carolina is $15 a pill. So at fifteen dollars 50000 is 4,396 pills a week or 333 pills a day. Or I'm sorry, 3,333 pills a week, 496 pills a day. Um, uh, that's that's crazy. You could drop a herd of elephants with four hundred and ninety six pills. So I don't know where all this money was going, but it wasn't going to opioids,
0: yeah, it's very hard to believe because everyone's wondering where is the four point three million dollars now? and it's like it's been untraceable. And his argument that that that's gone to to drugs is just completely unbelievable do you Do you have? any any thoughts on whether it could be like an off overseas account overseas account or or um sorry offshore account is mm-hmm. I guess the term or some other untraceable way or do you think that we really will eventually figure out where that all went
1: I tell them no you know the court has appointed a receiver whose sole job it is to try to find that money and try to claw it back and I mean to date we, they still hadn't been able to trace it down we've had sled um accounting forensics involved our, our top law enforcement agency in South Carolina they've yet to find the a big stash of cash you know the issue is it's Hampton County it's impossible to spend that much money and not accumulate wealth so it has to go somewhere you could buy half the county for 4.3 million dollars you know so and that's just that's just that little piece he stole an excess of eight million dollars from his law firm he stole from other clients so and he's making millions, millions and millions in his own practice. So, yeah, where is the money? We're, we'd still like to know.
0: And and I have to say, Tony Satterfield was an amazing witness. He was so believable. He was so well prepared, so calm and collected in the face of all this grief. And he, he mentioned on the stand that some numbers that have been thrown out by Alec were like 100,000 for each of Gloria's son's and then her medical bills to be covered as well, and it was very powerful to hear him describing this process. He, he recalls calling and checking in periodically and hearing, oh, it's a hard case. Uh, we're making progress, though. Every time he would call, no money, no money yet, no money yet, and then all the while, he's sitting on.
1: Yeah, I think that was the long game for Alex was to keep perpetuating the story that, you know, we're trying, but it's tough. And I think the end of that line of lies would have been, we tried our best and there was just, we just couldn't make anything happen. You know, but when when Mallory Beach died and the press showed up in Hampton County for the first time, one of the investigative reporters found a passing reference in a court filing about a five hundred five thousand dollar settlement in the Satterfield case and that Porter reached out to the family to ask about this money and that's how they found out a that there had been a settlement and B that it had barely been taken so but but for that that question never gets asked and I think Alex pulls off the ultimate lie which is we tried our best but we couldn't we couldn't do anything
0: do you think that Corey Freming that was representing them had any knowledge that that's what was going on um, at the same time? Do you think that, like, he'll have any uh, ethical violations brought against him by the state bar or anything like that?
1: Yeah, I think for Corey's part, you know, he's he's the ultimate victim of trust as well. You know, so do I see him as an active participant in the fraud? I do not. Um do I think he trusted too much? I mean, yes. But you're trusting a guy who's one of your best friends, whose son is your godson. Um, I don't think that he knew Alex was taking the money on the side. But, yeah, he's got a lot of questions to answer for the bar.
0: And then if you could kind of tell us a little bit about what this meant um, for your clients that not having this money... Um, what kind of happened with their living space and how they were affected financially by not having access to that money.
1: Yeah, well, here's what, I mean, the story, as if the story couldn't get worse, right? Um, when Gloria passed away, um, you, you saw Tony, he testified at the trial. His brother, Brian, is a vulnerable adult. Brian um, is a wonderful person too, by the way. He, he lived with his mother in a trailer. So, when mom passed away, the bank foreclosed on the trailer and Brian was displaced from his house. So, Brian's rendered homeless at the same time that Alex is stealing millions from the boys. And it's always stunned us that they took all of it. I mean, if they had, if he had just given the kids a hundred grand apiece, it it would have been life changing money uh, given the circumstances they're living. But the greed was so deep that he had to take every dime of it
0: why do you think that he did that that do you think he thought it would be more traceable or open the door to questions if he had given any of the money would they have maybe wondered like if there was more to the total or that then they would be able to trace it instead of him doing whatever he did with the total amount in just one fell swoop like why do you think that he went about it that way
1: you know i think i think in hindsight now that his problems were so deep that he perceived that he needed all of it i mean i know in close proximity to this time um he had run uh negative negative three hundred and forty thousand dollars in his personal checking account at the palmetto state bank uh where he had another relationship that just floated him along along and along i mean who gets to go 343 dollars and the negative on a personal checking account right but um I I think that his financial problems that he created for himself were so deep that he perceived that he just needed all of it. And it's probably easier to lie about taking it all.
0: Wow. We talked a little bit about, no, SLED is the state law enforcement agency.
1: Yeah. So those are our top cops in South Carolina. It's the South Carolina Law Enforcement Division. So we we have local sheriffs in the counties. um, In the municipalities, we have local police departments. The kind of the top cops over all of the policing in South Carolina is sweat. And gotcha. And in cases of, of, certainly of conflicts, uh, they get themselves involved. Um, in cases that might be beyond the local resources, like a double murder scene, uh, like we had in uh, uh, Hampton County, They, the police in Hampton County don't process things like this all the time. So you call in the top cops and they bring in their forensic teams. And so... That's what SLED represents to this story.
0: And I know that the attorneys now are are filing those appeals already on Alex's case. Do you think that there's any chance of any more corruption throughout the levels of making that more or less possible? Or do you feel like everyone in the state and in the county is really just ready to see a new page turned and see everything get off to a better foot?
1: Yeah, I think it's more the latter. You know that um, there are a couple of interesting appellate issues. Um, the the introduction of the financial crimes as motive for the murders, and was that proper or not proper? Um, I thought Judge Newman tried a fantastic case. Um, he is a, a just a brilliant uh, trial judge. You know, the, the judge that you want to try your case before, right? Who's, his rulings are timely. They're well-articulated. Um, He calls balls and strikes, Um, so I I thought he tried a brilliant case. It's going to be hard to pick that record apart and find a mistake that he made that is reversible error, I think, first and foremost. On the financial crimes, I do think, and Judge McNiba made it clear on the record, that the defense team opened the door for that evidence to come in, and so if they're the ones who allowed it to come in after he kept it out at their request... And I don't think the Supremes are going to be there to help in that regard. And then beyond the legal, you got to look at the practical. I mean, Alex Murdoch put our state through hell. I mean, he, he made us look like a bunch of rubes and hicks. Uh, he made it look like we're ruled by bubble law in South Carolina. Um, he gave the bar here the worst black eye that you can ever get, right? So now you're going to go to our Supreme Court and and ask for help so i I don't believe there's going to be an appetite to help Alex Murdaugh. and I think there's enough in that record where the court won't have to. I don't see the error that the court will look at and say, "You know what that was beyond Judge Newman's discretion, and we're going to grant a new trial. I just don't see it
0: and there is such a blemish on the legal profession that's going to I think impact lawyers across the country because there's been uh, there's a lot of distrust. That will be effective for government officials and people being wary of corruption, which I think is is great when you're an elected official. But for an entire profession to be blemished by what he's done, um, what would be some of your tips and recommendations that those of us who are attorneys and moving forward can do to really instill that trust in our clients and to rebuild um, uh, that reputation that the legal profession has? Yeah,
1: you know, I really, um, I saw our involvement um, in part to be, you know, part of trying to build back some public trust in the system, right? So at least the public could see that there were attorneys who, without regard for the power structure involved, were willing to talk to that power and to, to bring the actions that we brought. So I, I hope in some small part that that helped restore some trust. And I would encourage lawyers everywhere who find themselves in a similar circumstance to go back to those law school days when we were told that we were a self policing profession. And we kind of joke amongst ourselves, me and Eric, that um, we must live in a terrible neighborhood because when bad stuff happens, there's no police around at all, you know, because we didn't come here to be the cops but at the same time we're not going to turn a blind eye to to open injustice so just because it's another lawyer just because it's a prominent person i think i think it should instill upon us all the all the more that urgency to be the one to step up and say i'll take this one
0: wow that's powerful i know that you had mentioned um in another interview that the satterfields are actually a deeply religious family and feel that out of Gloria's death, there can be a lot of truth revealed and it can be a catalyst for change. What are some other ways that listeners can be supportive of them and keeping them in our thoughts and prayers as they're moving forward in this journey?
1: Well, they did establish Glorious Gift, which um was important for them to continue to give to the community. So initially it was funded with seventy thousand dollars. We were certainly contributors to to Gloria's Gift as well, but Gloria's Gift uh, provides Christmas for un- underprivileged kids in Hampton County who otherwise wouldn't have Christmas. So that's certainly a way to reach out and make a donation to Gloria's Gift. I think it's a wonderful organization. Uh, it's family owned and it's family operated. Um, 100% of the proceeds um, go towards you know providing. Gloria loved Christmas. And so this was a way to honor Gloria to give Christmas.
0: That is beautiful. I love to hear when those that have been going through so much loss and grief are able to find a way to, to give back and to put that forward meaningfully. And as as you and your firm move forward, are there any plans for authoring a book or for other ways that uh, my listeners can connect with you and um, learn more from you and stay in the loop? Any social media handles that you would like them to be a, a, aware of that they can connect with you on?
1: Well, certainly follow us on Twitter, you know, at, at the Eric Bland, at the Ronnie Richter, um, uh, Visit our website. Uh, and yeah, there's been quite a few talks about books and things like that. Um, I don't know if any of that's gonna to come to fruition, Rob, but, but we'll see, or it's, it's um, it'll be when we hang up the cleats, we'll certainly look back at this chapter and, and take pride in, in having done something I think important for our state.
0: It's certainly the case of a lifetime, and we'll be watching and waiting to see if there is any any moves towards a book or a movie. I'm sure everyone that's been following this case has. It's just enraptured the nation. Really, is just a, a, a win for for the victims. We are will be watching and waiting in that. But I can't thank you enough for coming on. It was such an enjoyable interview and answered so many questions so thoroughly. So I really appreciate it.
1: Thanks for having me. I've enjoyed it. Take care. Yep, you as well.